All right, good morning, church. Good to see you all today at the movies, our first week in a four-week series we're doing in August. Um, I hope you're excited about it. Um, Now, uh, full disclosure, I am a big movie fan. Does anybody else out there like movies, right? Okay, let's do something a little different today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your favorite movie. Go. Tell them your favorite movie. All right, all right, good. Just one movie, just one movie, not your top ten movies. Okay, good, good. Now, you may be asking yourself, why a series on movies? Well, we wanted to do something a little different this August and make it a little bit lighter, Um, but also, movies tell stories. They capture the heart. And so if you read through the Bible, you might notice that a good portion of the Bible is told in stories. It's told in narratives. In fact, one of the greatest storytellers in the Bible was Jesus himself, right? Jesus taught in most of his ministry in parables. Now, the definition of a parable is a story used to illustrate a spiritual lesson. And so Jesus' favorite um, style of teaching wasn't lecture. It was actually teaching in parables. It was story. And so we're hoping to look at some movies and find some spiritual lessons in them. Now, let me give you a snapshot of where we're going for the next four weeks. Uh, Next week, we're going to be looking at a movie called Ready Player One. You may or may not have seen it. Um, It it explores themes of virtual reality and identity and truth in our modern world. Now, the following week, I hope you bring your singing voices because we'll be discussing what it means to be part of God's circus as we look at the movie The Greatest Showman. Uh, awesome movie, great music. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's the story about the famed P.T. Barnum and how he gathered a bunch of misfits together to form his circus. And finally, we can't ignore what is now the highest grossing movie of all time, Avengers Endgame. Uh, this was the culmination of 11 years of movie making, and it incorporates themes of spiritual warfare and resurrection and sacrifice. Now, if you are a fan and you haven't seen it, I don't know why you haven't seen it, but if you haven't, I'm just warning you, I am going to ruin this movie for you. So if you don't want to be uh, disappointed, make sure you see it before you come. It's out on DVD on Tuesday. Um, now, on your way in, uh, you hopefully received some fun props. They look like this. Can, can you hold it up? I want to see it. We're going to have a little bit of interaction today. The kids are hanging out in the service. Um, these fun props are, are here because today's movie is the animated classic Inside Out. I got to admit, it, was one, it, is, it is still one of my favorite movies. It is just brilliantly done. And no matter how many times I watch it, I always cry. It just always, 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 it like sneaks up on you in in what it does. Um, The movie follows the story of an 11-year-old girl named Riley uh, as she comes of age uh, and moves into adolescence. Now, what's super creative about the movie is that it is told mostly through the perspective of her emotions. You can see them on the screen up there. There's five emotions represented, and each Each of you should have received one of them as you came in. Now, now here's where the interaction comes in. First, there is joy. Hold up. Are there any joys out there? Okay, good. I see a couple of joy. I'm glad we got some joy in the house today. All right. Uh, Now, whenever I cue you, I'm going to mention her a lot, but whenever I cue you, I need you to give me a big, loud, be happy. Okay, can we try that? On the count of three. One, two, three. All joy said? All right, great. You are much better than the first service already. All right, awesome. Now, second, second, there is sadness. Can I see my sadnesses out there? Raise your hand, okay? couple sadnesses. All right, now you, uh, listen, 
Sadness is a complicated figure in this movie, but she plays a really, a really major part at the end. So whenever I cue you, I need you to give me a loud boo-hoo. Okay, can you do that? Ready? One, two, three. Boo. Oh, you guys are awesome. Great job. All right. Third, now third, there's fear. Now, whenever fear comes on the scene in IQ, you, do I have my, some fears out there? Do I, f- listen, I got to tell you, fear was a little weak in the first service, so I'm, I'm open for a better performance this time. Uh, whenever IQ, you, I need to hear a big, loud, I'm scared. Okay, ready? One, two, three. I'm scared. All right, it's looking up already. Okay, great. Fourth, fourth, this is a fun character, the character of disgust, right? Now, whenever I cue you, I need you to give me a big, loud, Ew! All right? One, two, three. All right, all right. Good job. And then finally, there's anger. Okay, some of us are well acquainted with him. Um, He's pretty self-explanatory. Where's my anger? Got some anger out there? Okay, great, great. These guys did great in the first service, so um, I'm hoping... I'm hoping... (laughs) for a great performance, the second one. All right, so whenever I cue you people, I need you to turn into a big rage monster and give me a loud, ah! Okay, ready? One, two, three. Ah! All right, awesome, awesome. You got, you got the hang of it already. It's, it's looking up. So the movie starts with Riley being born, and we meet all of these emotions, all five of them. And we also learn that every time Riley makes a new memory, it's attached to an emotion. And so you'll see all these marble-looking things in the movie that, that are different colors, and they represent emotions that are connected to memories. These all, mo- all these emotions live inside Riley's control room in her head. And so as we begin today, let me just give you a feel for what the movie's about. Let's take a look inside Riley's control room, scene one. Thank you very much. And we're back. Here we go. 
open? Mm -hmm. This looks new. You think it's safe? What is it? Okay, okay caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! <laughs> yes! Saved our lives. Ooh. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not gonna get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fake. So that's how you wanna play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Right, right. Here comes an airplane. Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. <gasps> Sadness. She, well, she. I'm not actually sure what she does. And I've checked, there's no place for her to go. So she's good. We're good. It's all great. Anyway, these are Riley's memories. And they're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. All right, so living that last part right there, some of you with little kids know what that's all about. <clears throat> Uh, but you get the idea of the premise of the movie, right? Now, what's interesting is that over the years, psychologists have agreed that there's basically six or so core emotions that we all experience. Uh, these basic emotions are represented in the characters in the movie, and they also serve as the building blocks for the more complex emotions that we experience later in life. Now, maybe you're sitting here in the audience saying, listen, I have an objection today. I don't like feelings. Right? I, I'm checking out on a movie about feelings. Feelings, after all, can be deceptive. Well, I understand where you're coming from, but I do want to point out a truth. All of us are made in the image of God, and Scripture tells us that our God experiences emotions. In fact, here's an example from Exodus chapter 20. It says this, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, this, of course, is in the context of the Ten Commandments, and that word for jealous denotes a righteous anger that God feels for his glory. When his people are not worshiping him, they are not living the way they are made to live. It makes God angry. Now, additionally, there's a section in the prophet Hosea where God is lamenting over his people, where he's concerned about the well-being of Israel and Ephraim, and he, he says this, he says, my heart recoils within me, my compassion grows warm and tender. In other words, God feels, God loves his people. His compassion grows warm and tender. Do you, do you know what that feels like? It is because you're made in the image of a God who experiences emotions. Now, more than this, Jesus Christ, when he came to earth and he, when he walked on earth, he became God in the flesh and he experienced everything we experience. He knew every emotion we know. And so there's a famous example in John's gospel where Jesus' friend Lazarus has just died and his other friend Mary comes to him sobbing and she tells Jesus the news. It says this, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus 
wept. Jesus wept. In other words, Jesus was sad. Now, this is the shortest verse in the whole Bible, but it tells us that Jesus experienced emotion. And he was greatly troubled in the core of who he was. Friends, we are complex, emotional creatures made in the image of a God who experiences emotion. We should expect to experience the full gambit of emotions in our lives. Now, just the other week, my family and I were able to take a vacation in Colorado. You can see a couple pictures up here. It's my wife and I on a mountain and uh, the whole family looking through a cave uh, with some tours. Um, we had a wonderful time connecting with family and friends, and for whatever reason, this vacation pulled out the full range of emotion in us. See, we were able to see good friends we hadn't seen in years, and that brought us great joy. Now, can I hear from my joys out there? Ready? One, two, three. Be happy. Be happy. That was weak. Let's try it again. One, two, three. All right, great. I was able to go whitewater rafting. Now, I'm not a big adventure person, but whitewater rafting, just it brings me, it brings me great joy. Can I hear joy again? Yeah. That's right, awesome. Now, when we left those friends, we cried as we experienced sadness, knowing it would be a while before we saw them again. Can I hear from sadness? Uh, do, you, you got my heart. That's exactly how I felt. We also had the opportunity to drive to the top of Mount Evans outside of Denver. Now, even though I had been to the top of this mountain before, I got to tell you, this time I was terrified. Uh, my wife will attest to you because we went in the afternoon and there was clouds all around the top. And so we're, we're driving up to the top of this 14,000 foot mountain and there's just cliffs on either side. There's clouds like you see those clouds behind us. Usually you can see a lot further. And I experienced fear. Can I hear from my fears out there? Oh, my. The first, listen, you, got, you guys, they missed in the first service, too. Let's try it again. One, two, three. That's right. It was even worse than that. Now, in the rental car place, when I took the car back to the rental car place, they overcharged me uh, for my car, and then I experienced anger and disgust at the same time. Can I hear from anger and disgust? One, two, three. Yes, <laughs> you. Yeah, I got you. You're with me there. We are emotional creatures. And yet, many of us have a difficult time expressing our emotions. Why is that? Why do we hide what we feel? Well, often I think it flows from fear and anxiety. Because I think for many of us, our emotions make us feel unsafe, and that produces fear and anxiety. Will people judge me if I'm honest about how I feel? Um, will they listen to me? Will they not want to talk with me again? See, for many of us, sharing our feelings brings a sense of impending, inevitable danger. We are acutely aware, whether we voice it or not, that we live in a world after the fall. And as a result, we know that pain can take away our joy. Now, early in the movie, Riley's family relocates from Minnesota to San Francisco. Talk about two very different places, right? And Riley is 11, and she's already navigating the difficult waters of middle school. And on her first day of school in her new school in San Francisco, Riley shares her feelings with her class. Look at what happens. 
parties. We have a new student in class today. Are you kidding me? Out of the gates? This is not happening! Riley, would you like to tell us something about yourself? No! Pretend we can't speak English! Don't worry, I got this. Uh, okay. My name is Riley Anderson. I'm from Minnesota, and now I live here. And how about Minnesota? Can you tell us something about it? Well, you certainly get a lot more snow than we do. <laughs> <laughs> She's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty cold. The lake freezes over, and that's when we play hockey. I'm on a great team. We're called the Prairie Dogs. My friend Meg plays forward, and my dad's a coach. Pretty much everyone in my family skates. It's kind of a family tradition. We go out on the lake almost every weekend. We did, till I moved away. Hey, what gifts? What? Hey, sadness, you touched a memory? We talked about this. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Get back in your circle. What's going on? Get out of there, Joy. We used to play tag and stuff. Cool kids whispering at 3 o'clock. No. Did you see that look? Oh, no. They're judging us. Somebody help. Grab that But everything's different now. Since we moved. Oh no! We're crying at school! What? Sadness, what are you doing? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh. It's a core memory. But it's blue. <gasps> no, wait! Stop it! Get out your history books and turn to chapter seven. Can I say that curse? So Riley shares her feelings and both joy and sadness get sucked out of the control room because of the pain Riley started to experience. Now Riley's starting to learn that joy is not the only thing we experience in life. We're, we're much more complex than that. But here's the thing. I think we only want to experience Joy. Can I hear from joy again? That's right. We just want to be happy, right? I mean, if you could pick, wouldn't you only want joy? I mean, the reason that we get so upset when a movie ends on a sad note is because we just want joy, right? The protagonist is saved from danger. I mean, that's why we like Disney movies, because there's always a happy ending. The prince and the princess get together. The protagonist is saved from danger. The endless winter ends and spring comes. We want to experience joy. And so for the whole Inside Out movie, all the characters are trying to stifle sadness. Can I hear from sadness? Right, we don't want any boo-hoos because they, they just want Riley to be happy. And as Christians, I think we do the same thing. We always want to sing happy worship songs. 
But by doing so, we actually miss out on the deeper joy in life. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, for the rest of our time today, I want to show you three principles that counterintuitively can lead to deeper joy. And the first one is this. Emotional pain is real pain. Emotional pain is real pain. Because too often we tell people, suck it up. Don't trust your feelings. The heart is deceitful. But there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to emotions. Emotional expressions of the people of God. In fact, there's a whole category of the Psalms that is called the Psalms of Lament. Now, a lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And so these Psalms express sadness and emotional pain to our God who understands. In fact, Psalm 42, the psalmist begins by declaring his longing for God and he laments his circumstances. The psalmist writes this, My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? My tears have been my food day and night. That sounds uplifting, right? He's longing to be in the presence of God, and yet people are mocking him. Where is he, they say. Have you ever cried so much that you've literally been consumed with your tears? Perhaps a loved one died unexpectedly, and you had pictured what life would be like for many years with them, and now... It's snatched away, gone. Maybe you've been through a painful breakup or a divorce, and you blame yourself, and your pillow is wet with the tears of your sadness. And I suspect others have been betrayed by a friend, and our tears then are tears of anger and hurt. Why? Because emotional pain is real pain. And sometimes that turns to anger at God. The psalmist writes later, he says this, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? See, what do you hear in those words? I hear anger. Why have you forgotten me? I also hear some fear. See, this is a brilliant word picture that gives us a sense of deep emotions of the psalmist because emotional pain is real pain, and we need to express it. The psalms teach us how to do that because when we express our emotions, it's healthy, and it actually brings us more intimacy with God. Look at how the psalmist concludes in verse 11. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so here's the crazy thing. So often we don't want to express our emotions because we're afraid of being judged. But it is precisely when we share our feelings that we draw closer to people and to God. Because withholding our feelings actually breeds loneliness. Someone once made this astute observation. They said, when you bury your feelings, you bury them alive. So you can pretend they're not there, but they are trying to get out of the grave, kicking and screaming. 
Now, back in our movie, we see this play out firsthand. Riley doesn't know how to express her emotions, so she stifles them and she stuffs them inside. And when her parents ask her about her first day at school, it leads to a scene that I think many of us can relate to. This is scene three. I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco. And get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey? Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be joy. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like joy. Uh, because I'm not joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Sure mm-hmm. did. Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. <laughs> Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, are you kidding me? For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo, I'll be joy. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. Okay? No, 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 stay happy! What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to second position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) See, some of us are saying that's a regular occurrence in my home. Now, I have to say, uh, this scene is so funny because it's just spot on, right? See, mom is trying to be empathetic with her, her daughter. Uh, dad is in another world thinking about sports or whatever. And uh, the daughter is trying to process a painful experience at school. And no one is tuned in to the inner life of the other person. Which emotion wins out at the end? Anger, right? Can I hear from my angry people again? That's right. See, if we don't recognize that emotional pain is real pain, we won't express it. We stuff it. And when we do, we miss out on letting other people help us with the second point, 
which is where we need to understand each other's feelings. You see, when we need to recognize that emotional pain is real pain, yes, and how do we recognize it? We recognize that through good listening. See, in that moment, we have the opportunity to show genuine care for the other person. And so let me state it again. It requires good listening. And truthfully, many of us don't listen very well. Instead, the foot goes down way too quickly, as you just saw. Now, in his excellent book, The Good Listener, author James Sullivan observes that good listening fulfills three of our most deeply felt human needs. First, it fulfills our need for a healthy outlet to ventilate our feelings. Second, he says, it fulfills our need for emotional intimacy. And third, and most importantly, it fulfills our need to be validated and affirmed. Our feelings, he says, are like a scalding steam in a kettle. Just get that picture in your mind and hold on to that. A scalding kettle. Because do you see how that relates to the scene we just watched? That Riley's feelings were boiling inside of her. But instead of being a good listener, mom and dad, mostly dad in this scene, reacted to her feelings and things got out of control. But what if they responded differently? What if they were better listeners? See, there's a really comforting passage in the book of Hebrews where Jesus is described as our great high priest. The writer of Hebrews records this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, this is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible because Jesus, as our great high priest, provides the antidote to fear. He's paid the penalty of our sin, and now we can come near to God without any shame. We're covered by Jesus' blood. And not only this, but Jesus knows exactly what we are going through. He's not an aloof priest, but he knows. He knows what we are feeling. And that's amazing to me. And as a result, look at verse 16. It says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in time and help in time of need. See, in our pain, in our weakness, in our time of need, we receive mercy and grace from our great God. And if we receive such a, a gift from him, we should offer it to others. In other words, we need to understand each other's feelings. Now, back in our movie, sadness gives us a picture of what Jesus actually does for us. See, for most of the movie, joy and sadness are trying to find their way back to headquarters, and they're navigating the vast terrain of long-term memory. While they're down there, they meet Riley's imaginary friend, Bing Bong. Did anyone ever have an imaginary friend when they were growing up? Yeah, some of you can remember, a lot of you probably can't, because... That imaginary friend has been dumped from your memory. Now, in this scene, Bing Bong is afraid that Riley will forget all about him and the fun they used to have. And while Joy stands frustrated off to the side, sadness comforts him. Watch this. Riley can't be done with me. 
okay? We can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, Bing Bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness. It sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay now. Come on. Now, do you see what sadness did? She empathized and validated Bing Bong's feelings. She simply gave voice to his feelings. She said, Yeah, it's sad. And she sat with him while he cried. Can I hear from my sadness people out there again? That's right. Sometimes we just need to boo-hoo. See, empathy can be defined this way, feeling another's problems as if they were your own. And validation is the act of recognizing and affirming the worth of a person's feelings. Do you see how sadness did both? See, when we empathize and validate the feelings of others, we can help them come to the throne of grace and find the mercy they need from Jesus. Now, my big idea today is this. You won't find true joy unless you embrace the sadness of the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus, our great high priest, understood more deeply than we can imagine the reality of sadness. The sin of the world was upon his shoulders. His father had turned his face away, and in that moment of sadness, Jesus secured unending joy for us. Now, before we move on, we have to recognize one mistake that Christians often make. As Christians, we tend to think that sadness is wrong. Did you notice what joy was doing in this scene? Where are my joys out there? Can I hear? Be happy, right? In the moment of sadness, she's just like, just be happy, it's okay, because we're uncomfortable with sadness. And so what do we tend to do? We, we say, cheer up, we make silly faces, it'll get better, look on the bright side, it's only going to be a season. Now by doing that, we rob people of a moment of grief that they desperately need. Now I hope you've seen from our brief discussion on the Psalms that sadness is a reality of life. That sometimes people are just sad, and we need to sit with them. Sadness is a valid biblical response. In his work, Don't Sing Songs to a Heavy Heart, Dr. Kenneth Houck writes this about grief and sadness. He says, sometimes people need to cry. Tears are cleansing. 
Denying tears to hurting individuals can prevent them from working through and cleaning out their pain right at the most appropriate and beneficial time for cleansing. Tears are cleansing. May we be people who allow the cleansing work to happen. See, sadness and pain are a reality of life after the fall. However, we also have to recognize that they can take us to a dark place, and we have to resist that. And so that's our third point. We have to resist the dark side of emotion. See, some of us are or have been at places where we feel numb emotionally. So much pain has come into our lives that our joy is gone, lost in long-term memory. We don't even remember what joy feels like, and when that happens, anger and fear and disgust are driving the ship. So if you're one of these, it's time to come back. Let's remind ourselves about these emotions. Let me hear from anger. All right, let me hear from fear. I'm scared. And let me hear from disgust. Ew. All right, now let's try this. How about all three of you make your sound at the same time? Ready? One, two, just like anger, getting ahead of ourselves. One, two, three. That's right. See, now, now, are those the sounds that you hear in your head most of the time? See, in the movie, while joy and sadness are gone from headquarters, these three emotions uh, deduce that the reason Riley is so upset is because she's left Minnesota. And so logically, she should return to Minnesota and make more happy memories. And so in the next scene, they decide it's time to take action and run away from home. Watch this. What is going on? He did it again. We were in school, and we were naked, and there was a dog, and the back half was, was, was chasing him, and it was a big You idiot! It was a dream! This is ridiculous. We can't even get a good night's sleep anymore. Time to take action. Stupid mom and dad, if they had moved us, none of this would have happened. Who's with me? Yeah, let's do it. She took it. There's no turning back. So, how are we going to get to Minnesota from here? Well, why don't we go down to the elephant lot and rent an elephant? Hey, that sounds nice. We're taking the bus, nitwit! There's a bus leaving tomorrow. Perfect. A ticket costs money. How do we get money? Mom's purse. <gasps> you wouldn't. Oh, but I would. Where was it we saw it last? Dribble them come. No! Ah! <laughs> now, can I hear from anger, fear, and disgust again, all at the same time? One, two, three. <laughs> now, when all those emotions drive the ship, look at what happens. Riley goes downstairs and she steals from her mother. She lies to her parents and puts herself in the dangerous situation of running away from home. See, church, we have to resist the dark side of emotion. Because recognize that anger is the chief driver of these emotions. And so the Apostle Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When we embrace the dark side of emotion, it makes God sad. 
He knows that when unhealthy anger and disgust and fear, when they start to drive the ship, it breaks relationships. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is described as our helper. He is the one who lives inside of us and gives us the power to live a holy life. And so it's with the Holy Spirit's help that we resist the dark side of emotions. And so with that in mind, Paul continues. He writes this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, in this passage, Paul is talking about the new life that we have in Christ. Notice that anger makes the list because angry people often think they deserve something from others. They have often forgotten the gift of forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And I would also add, as we learned earlier, it's likely nobody empathized and listened to them. And so as a result, Robert Jones observes this of anger. He says, anger in Scripture conveys emotion, spanning the spectrum from red-hot rage to icy blue rejection. But it always involves beliefs and motives, perceptions and desires. And the Bible describes it in behavioral terms that are rich and graphic. In other words, he is saying this, anger is primarily an action. Yes, it is something we feel, but it leads to action. Do you see how this applies to Riley? Right, what did she believe? She thought, well, I'm sad because I'm not in Minnesota. It's mom and dad's fault. So they owe it to me to give me money so I can go back home and make more memories. And I don't have to tell them about what I'm doing because they hurt me by bringing me here. Do you see how the dark side comes in? We have to resist the dark side of emotion. That our anger is a response against something, a perceived wrong. But unless we have joy to remind us of the good times, let me hear from joy again. Right? We have to remember joy. And, and if we don't have sadness to remind us of our consequences, let me hear from sadness. Right? right? Exactly. Anger, complicated by fear and disgust, causes us to make poor decisions. Let me hear from all three of those again. One, two, three. Right. Riley let the wrong emotions rule her heart, and as a result, she made a poor decision, and almost, it almost turned into a disaster. And so as the movie concludes, joy and sadness finally make it back to headquarters. They learn that Riley is running away, and the only one, the only one who can stop her is sadness. Now remember I said throughout the movie, everyone has been trying to silence sadness. They've even asked, what is her purpose? But in the end, it is sadness who unlocks Riley's heart and leads her to greater maturity. Watch how this plays out and concludes. All right, thank you. We will. Her teacher hasn't even seen Riley all day. What? What was she wearing last year? You even remember what... Riley! Oh, 
want me to, but I miss home. I miss Minnesota. You need me to be happy, but I want my old friends and my hockey team. Minnesota too. I miss the woods and we took hikes. And the backyard where you used to play. Spring Lake where you learned to skate. Now, I gotta be honest, no matter how many times I watch that scene, it always makes me cry. <laughs> because the brilliance of this movie is that it instantaneously takes you back to the key moments of your life and when you grew up. And we know that when we grow up, life becomes more complex, and so you see there was a memory that was, had multiple emotions attached to it, that it's possible to have joy and sadness. But for the whole movie, nobody wanted to be sad. When Riley embraced sadness, it opened her up to the complexity of the inner life, and that's where it comes full circle. Because as much as we want to avoid pain, I think the truth is this. Deep pain actually leads to deeper joy. See, David wrote this in Psalm chapter 30. He said, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And more than that, we see, we see that happened in this scene that sadness actually allowed deeper intimacy with Riley and her parents. They heard her heart, and they were able to empathize and express their sadness too. Deep pain leads to deeper joy. And until you understand that, you won't understand the depth of the gospel because, you see, the writer of Hebrews describes Jesus, yes, as the great high priest in chapter 4, but in chapter 12, we learn that we're surrounded by a cloud of great witnesses who have expressed the pain of the fall too, that life is a race. And how do we win the race? By looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't you see, church? Why did Jesus go to the cross? 
for the joy set before him. What did the cross represent? Pain and sorrow and suffering and sadness. See, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin, and now we are forgiven. We've received amazing grace. Our sins are washed clean, and that's good news. That Jesus experienced unimaginable sadness so that you and I could experience inexplicable joy. His pain allows true intimacy with him. It is in the gospel that Jesus offers healing for our feelings, and you won't find true joy unless you embrace the sadness of the cross. And one day, because of Jesus, everything sad will become untrue. We will be with him and experience love beyond anything we can imagine because it is in Jesus that you will find all the love and acceptance you are looking for. Let me invite the worship team up for one final song. And as they do, as they come, let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and Lord, we know that we are, we are complex creatures. We feel as you have felt, as you have felt, Lord. We go through difficult times in life where we're sad, but we want to be happy, Lord. Help us to look to you, Lord Jesus, to the author and perfecter of our faith who experienced sadness that we could not possibly imagine so that we might have joy that lasts forever. Help us to always remember the joy that is found in you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you help us to resist the dark side of the emotions that we might always see things from your perspective. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Thanks, Bob.